Amen. I'll tell you what, it's good to be home. Yes. It's always good to be home. Like, um, uh, we are called as a church. We are a missions church. Um, in fact, when you read the Bible, there's no way to escape the realization of the truth that you're a missionary. Every single one of us. You know, we have a saying here, when one goes, we all go. So today I'm going to share what we, what we did and what we saw in Indonesia. This week I'm going to share some stories. Next week Jamie's going to come and it was his first time to see the work we do in Indonesia. But he's been part of it way longer than I have. North End Church has been, always been a missions church. And really all, all we're doing is, is coming behind the work that has been done by those that have gone before us. And uh, some of the things I'm going to share with you today, uh, we are stewards of the seeds that have been planted. Um, but make no mistake, if you're part of this family, you're on mission. Because when one goes, we all go. Okay, so, so this is not a, hey, look what the pastor did. This is a, hey, look what we're doing. And I pray today, you know, what's my, what's my hope today? Um, whenever I bring a message or a, a today's not going to be about teaching. Today is sharing some exhortation for you. To my hope would be that it would inspire you. It really would. It would. It would encourage you that what you're sowing into, um, the good seed is going into the ground. If you're not sowing, then I hope you're convicted today to begin sowing, because mission is a vital part of what we do as a church. And, and maybe, maybe uh, what I share today might inspire you to go and put your hand up and come on one of the trips we do to see what happens there because the testimony of others that have come is that uh, their life is no longer the same. So there's a warning. Come and join us, but be prepared for your life to never be the same again. Is that a bad thing, Jamie, or a good thing? Yeah, there you go. You're going to hear from Jamie next week because it's his first time being there. And, and you know, my prayer as I invited him to, to come as a, now as a pastor, he's got, I, there's no option for him. He's got to have his heart wrecked. Because if his heart isn't wrecked, there's no hope for you. But the invitation is for all of you. I can't take you all at once. It would just be a circus. Um, and I'm, not a, and I'm not a babysitter, because I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking 12 of you. It's hard enough looking after one, you know. Um, now, the truth is, Jamie, Jamie looked after me. Um, day one, we had a crisis, and it's my fault. I did something that I never, ever do, and I jumped on a bus with my arm full of stuff, and I just dumped it all on the chair and went, oh, thank goodness we're in air conditioning. And I sat on the bus for an hour into the city, and then I got off the bus with my bag and left my wallet on the seat. And uh, so we get to the hotel and all pre-booked and I get there and they just say, oh, you know, we'll just take a credit card deposit. You know, I'm like, that's fine. And I went to my bag and I'm like, I have no wallet. Cash, cards, license, all the important stuff. My, my pass that gets me into the lounge at the airport. I mean, that was the most vital thing when I travel. Yeah, and, and Jamie was a rock that afternoon, you know, because I'm like, I'm tired, we haven't slept, I'm, I'm, my head is... My head is foggy just from travel. And so we went and, and found the answer to all mental fogginess, which is a Big Mac. And um, 
because we're still in KL, we haven't, haven't even made it to Indonesia, and I'm all having a crisis. No, I never, ever do that when I travel. I'm always like, okay, where's my stuff? Um, anyway, so <laughs> uh, Jamie was, was really helpful. Okay, let's slow down, let's think, what are we going to do? We rang the bus company, and they said, okay, we'll try and find it. Um, they were on the radio to their drivers. Um, they, they, I had my ticket, so they knew which bus and what time, and they found my wallet. And so that was awesome, and now we've got to find them. And, and so uh, we, we get in a grab car, which is like an Uber, and you just get on an app, and for like four bucks, they take you across the city. Well, we took three of those trying to find the office of the bus depot, and we end up getting my wallet, and praise God, all the money was in it, my cards were all in it, there was nothing missing, um, the driver had handed it in without nicking anything, which was just awesome. And, um, and then we're like, well, how do we get back to the hotel? We'll just grab a car, right, because you just get on the app, and the app says, I'm sorry, all the drivers are busy. So we wait, and we try again, all the drivers are busy. We try again, three times we tried, no drivers wanted to pick us up, so we walked nine kilometres back to the hotel in 32 degree heat. So Jamie is a champion just for that, <laughs> because that was my fault, and we, we ended up on a circus trip. Um, but these are the things that happen when you travel. You know, uh, the people that I travel with, um, God bless Stu, he's not here today because he's in Indonesia. He, on his own bat, went over to Indonesia, took 670 pairs of underwear through immigration. Like, dude deserves a medal for that, because, like, what happens if they want to open the bag and ask questions? But thank you for your generosity. Hope Village says thank you and bless you for your gifts. Those underwear will last those children much longer than the, the local uh, clothing does. Anyway, Stu's there of his own accord to help them with their accounting system. And he's going through records and he's doing data entry and setting up zero with them. Um, but when I travel with him, he likes to be in control and knows what's happening. So he's always like, okay, Phil, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, okay, well, how long are we going to wait here? I'm like, I don't know. And, and, and when they pick us up, what will we be doing? I'm like, I don't know. And then we hurry up, we hurry up and we wait. Because they say they'll pick you up at 10, but they kind of get there maybe at 11. You know, so there's lots of waiting, and you can't be in control. You've got to be very flexible. You don't know uh, what, when your next meal is, but you can guarantee it includes rice. Um, and so praise God, I had Cocoa Pops for breakfast. Well, I don't even like Cocoa Pops. But I wasn't having fried rice for breakfast this morning, I can tell you that. So it's good to be home. It's good to be with family. It's good to have you um, here this morning worshipping Jesus. Um, I want to share a few things and just tell you some stories. My hope is that you are inspired. That's my hope this morning. There's, the, there's my expectation. We'll just leave it all there. So um, we flew into, after my drama in, in KL, we flew into a city of Medan. So um, I would encourage you to um, get on Google Maps and look at Indonesia. Um, Sumatra is the big island that goes up the left-hand side to the north. Medan is one of the major cities in Sumatra, and we have a church there. Um, on the bottom right-hand corner in that photo, you can see Pastor Yefta. He is the young pastor of that church. Uh, he's got a beautiful, soft heart. And this is his church. You can see the kind of environments that we work in when we're up there. Um, the guy on the top right is a young Bible school student called Yeremia. Uh, he is studying at the ministry school, and what, his dad is one of the, our pastors who lives out in Salsa, in the middle of the sugarcane plantation. So, so we went there to do a crusade, which basically means they gather everyone in and they want everyone saved, everyone healed, and everyone delivered. So we did that, and then we joined for church on Sunday. 
We then travelled south into Bullygay, which is where our main base is. That's where the head churches of the network. We have a network of churches that we support. We didn't start these churches. Then I, I call them our churches only because they're family. But they have a, a, a lead team, um, Yoss, Pastor Yoss and Ellie. Um, they're the senior ministers, and they like oversee the network of maybe about 25 churches that we're partnering with. And so uh, we jumped in the car, and they said, we go to crusade. And I'm like, okay, that just means you put your pants and your shirt on, and you expect Jesus to, to work through you. So you go into, we drove for like uh, just over an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and you get off the main road, and you like, don't know where you're going, and you don't know what's going to happen when you get there, and uh, you just got to trust what's going on. And so this is, was set up in the middle of nowhere. This church pastor had uh, rented a solid roof, to cover the crowd. It was on a concrete slab that is used for drying rice. So out the front of these storehouses, they have these big concrete slabs, and they lay out their grain or their rice, and they just leave it in the sun. And that's how they dry it. And so he'd, use, he'd hired that, and he'd set up all these plastic chairs and a sound system because he wanted a crusade in the neighborhood. And so that's what we were doing. They did worship, um, and it makes your ears bleed um, if you're too close to the speakers um, because they like it loud. And when they worship, they worship. You know, as a white person, uh, I, I think I'm far too dignified in my worship. I think I'm too reserved. I mean, I hold back in the front here just for your sake. Because <laughs> when I come back from Indonesia, man, you know, like I've been worshipping with these guys for two weeks and they let it all out. You know, they know they're saved. They remember what they're saved from and they're ever grateful. And I say that as a challenge to you. What's your worship like? Does it make your ears bleed? So we went to do this crusade, and people get saved, people get healed, and we had a bit of deliverance going on. That's normal in a, in a country like this, because black magic and witchcraft and ancestor worship is rife in a nation like this. And so when the Spirit of God, when Jesus turns up, there's a confrontation. I mean, you did read that in the Bible, eh? You've read that? Some of you? Yeah. Book of Acts. Read the book of Acts. It happens. Kathy just read that passage from Mark, you know, go out and you will see things happen. You will see people saved, you'll see people healed, and you'll see people delivered. It's what we should expect. The first time it happens, you can maybe get a little bit uncomfortable because you're not used to it, but I pray we would have it more here. Some of you need to get delivered of some stuff. And I say that in love. I don't say that by condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ, but there's freedom. More deliverance in the church, I say. Um, so, we, so we go to this thing, and the kids are watching the white man, and they're a little bit scared, and then they come forward for salvation, and you just watch them weeping as they receive the love of Jesus. And one of the things that I've started to do here is not to make it all about me. They make me preach. And so I preach with a translator, or well, Jamie did quite a bit this time as well. Uh, but I usually will get the Bible school students to do the ministry, because I'm trying to build the church, not be the church. And so we've started bringing the students in, and I now, I set, I've set that expectation up. It used to be that, well, the white man has to do all the praying, and I'd be there for hours. Just, and I, I love doing it, don't get me wrong. Man, if I, I, I pray for people all night, I don't care. Laying on of hands and ministering and imparting the Spirit of God and seeing healing and deliverance and freedom. I love that. But when I leave, if I take it with me, how good is the church? So what I've started doing is drawing the students in from the ministry school that we support, and I'll talk about that, and, and, and bring them in and get them doing the ministry and watching them learn how to impart love to people. And so um, that's, that's my greatest joy when I'm there now, is watching them do that. 
So uh, then we had a pastor's conference. The reason I go every October is that this church invests in their annual pastor's conference. And the reason I love this opportunity is because all the pastors, well, many of the pastors come into one place in Bullygay, where we're based. Um, this year, there were some pastors absent, which was disappointing for me because I didn't get to see them. But for three days, we have them all in one room, and we teach them, we activate them, we bless them, we love on them. The guy on the left-hand side there, the white guy, that's Pastor Mike from the Adelaide Church. We are partners with them in the work we do in Indonesia. He's also part of Acts Churches, same denomination as us, but in Australia. He's been investing in Indonesia for 14 years, and he's like a mentor to me. He teaches me what the white man needs to know to be able to work with the local people. And so he's been a real, become a real friend. Uh, and so he's there preaching. He's, he's a preacher, man. He tells stories. He just tells jokes and people get saved. Like, that's his gift. Uh, and then his wife thinks he's preaching too long, so she throws a shoe at him. Because once he's going, he's going. And so it's not uncommon for a 90-minute message in Indonesia. Uh, maybe we should do that here. Watch out, I might. Yeah, <laughs> Kathy's going to throw her shoe, don't worry. If I go too long, Kathy will throw her shoe. So, so, so this, is, um, this is the conference environment. Um, we're there for three days, and it is literally five teaching sessions in a day. You start at eight, and you finish maybe nine or ten at night. And you have food in between, and some really, 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 really bad coffee. Um, but you go all day, and um, that's normal for them. They've been up at 4.30 praying. Uh, Saturday was fasting day, compulsory fasting every Saturday for what God's doing in the church and the nation, and we were part of that. Um, we weren't so good on the fasting, but we were good on the praying, um, but ministering in this environment. And, and churches, this church on the right-hand side, this Pastor Charles in Baturokan, which is also in Sumatra, he brings 25 people with him, and they travel by scooter for 15 hours. How long did it take you to get to church this morning? Me? Four minutes in the comfort with Kathy driving. Like, they're on a, sitting on a scooter. Man, that's commitment, eh? Yeah. So, so it's a great environment. It's a faith environment. We uh, also get the chance to uh, minister prophetically. Uh, and God is, is, is speaking and ministering uh, with what he's inviting us into. See, the whole point of prophecy is just not make someone feel good. It's actually to release what's in heaven for the church and see it established. So when we're ministering in that way, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, especially with this guy, Pastor Charles, because I get a prophetic word from him, and I'm like, oh, really, do I want to say that out loud? Because God's asking me to partner with him. He's got a, an exploding youth ministry up there, and these young people need discipling and, and, and built, put on a pathway. And I, I, I sense he's, he's not struggling in so much as drawing them in, but how do we build them? And so... That's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, th this is Derma. She's my translator in Baligay. And the reason I wanted to bring these two photos is to thank you for praying for her. Recently, she was very, very sick. Uh, we're still not sure what the condition is that she has. Um, but she was under hospital care for a while. And, and she wants to say thank you for the money that we sent as a church and for the prayers 
Uh, many of you have been asking me, how is Derma? Is she okay? So there she is. I can confirm she preaches, man, when she preaches. When she translates for me, I'm sure she's preaching her own sermon sometimes because um, she talks a lot more than I do. So I'm not sure about that. But, but she's filled with the Spirit of God, and we've seen her grow immensely over the last three years that I've worked with her. And, and sometimes I'll be preaching and activating the crowd, and she'll just stop and look at me, and she'll go, really? And I'm like, yeah, she can translate, because you know, she's getting this impartation and revelation by being in that environment. You know, it's kind of like a Timothy and Paul relationship. There's a, there's a young one, uh, not so mature in the spirit, that's being raised up as we minister side by side. And she's got an amazing future. And she wants to say thank you for investing in her and partnering with her financially and spiritually. This is her family on the right-hand side. That's her husband, Paul. Her, his his um, Islam name is Amron, um, but he's been saved out of Islam into Christianity, and we've been discipling him. Um, they've got uh, two little boys there and a daughter. And, um, and, and Derma just wants to say thank you. So that's Derma. Um, this is the conference photo. I mean, my goodness, how many selfies do you have while you're there? I'm not sure. Mel, you would know, hundreds. Um, but they always want photos and selfies. So this is the end of the conference. It's blurry because they take really bad photos. Um, and everyone's moving. But that's, the, that's kind of like at the end. And there's um, hundreds more photos on Facebook uh, if you want to have a look at who got tagged in what photo. Um, it was really, really good to take Jamie. Um, because I could just say, Jamie, you're preaching, and I could sit down. That was awesome, and, uh, and he stepped up, he really did, and so this is us doing, uh, this was the youth night, is that right, Jamie? Yeah, the youth night, they said, oh, by the way, you're doing youth tonight, and I'm like, okay, Jamie, you're doing youth tonight, awesome, have a message, be ready to minister, and um, he did, he brought a, a fantastic uh, message, you can see him preaching there with Derma, the trans- first time he's ever spoken with a translator was on this trip. And that's not easy to get used to. Um, I gave him little bits to start with. We were in Medan at the beginning, and I said, come and give five minutes, and he did, and I gave him some feedback, and, and then he saw me doing it, and he, he learned how to do it. So by the end of the trip, he was really good, really good. And uh, we did this, and he did some other stuff for me also. In the conference, he spoke some sessions in the pastor's conference, uh, two sessions at the conference, and then also when we went to Timor, which I'll show you in a minute. So we have these young people, and that night there... Um, they respond, she got the, um, Derma got the boys up first, and, and um, Jamie, because we only had one translator that night, so I let Jamie do all the work, I was like, oh, it's okay, I'll take photos, and, um, and we just prayed for all of them, and then all the girls respond, so we uh, let them pray for all of them, and then the Spirit of God just started stirring with what he wanted to activate in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so somehow, because broken English, and Derma's over there, and I'm trying to make sign language to the musicians, and we end up getting the music built and the presence of God built and the Holy Spirit fell on these young people. It was about uh, 20, 25 young people um, just, just absolutely weeping in the presence of the Holy Spirit as he was just wave after wave of the love of God just rolling over these kids and it's so good to be a part of. That one experience, if you're there, will wreck you in a good way. Your heart gets just totally undone with watching the love of God transform someone before your eyes. It's beautiful to see. It's, it's a privilege to be part of. And I, I, I pray that you, you get a chance to do that. Um, yeah, that's enough for there. Um, on Sunday, they said, oh, after you've done preaching, can we go and baptize some people? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So we got the baptismal pool warmed up, as you can see, 
And uh, we, got changed. We, we got changed into our board shorts, but Pastor Yoss just wades in in his suit. He's like, I'm not missing out on this. Uh, that's him on the, with the arm raised up there. That's Pastor Yoss. Um, so four young men got baptized that day. And they stood in the lake and they confessed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And we prayed, Jamie and I did it together, same as what we do here. We just bless them with the love of God. We um, thank God for them. And we watched as they entered the water of baptism the same way Jesus entered the grave. Life no longer the same. We raised them up out of the water into the new life of Jesus Christ, the resurrected life of Jesus Christ that they now share with him because of their faith and their confession of him as their Lord and Saviour. And we stood there and we prophesied over these guys. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a really powerful day. So here they all are. So there's me and Jamie and there's Pastor Yoss on the left. And we watch as God builds his church. Amen? Some of these guys are in the Bible school. Some of them just got saved. But it was cool. And everyone's gathered on the lakeside. I imagine that's how they did it in the Bible. It's cool. But may I just say, the opportunity for baptism in November is, is for all of you. If you have not been baptized, the Bible's pretty clear. You need to be baptized. If you were sprinkled as a child because that's the way your parents raised you, that was good. That was their responsibility. Your responsibility is to make that choice for yourself. We've baptized kids here. We've baptized adults here. We've baptized some that are new in their faith. We've baptized some that say they've been saved their whole life. But everyone must enter the water of baptism as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So please don't delay. Don't wait for a special moment. I'll just wait till I feel right or I'll wait till, you know, I, I need it. No, just be obedient. We're going to do it on a Wednesday night because the calendar's full, but we want to make it special. We want to make it an opportunity where we can come together as family and celebrate people as they make that choice. This is a fantastic night. Opportunity. The baptism services we have are always, always significant. We worship, we hear testimony, and we celebrate people's new resurrected life. Okay, so uh, Wednesday the 14th of um, November here. Okay, well then we went to Timor. Now, uh, if you look on Google Maps... Timor is down the bottom right-hand corner of Indonesia. So West Timor is part of Indonesia. East Timor is not somewhere you want to go. Uh, it's not safe. So we didn't go there. We went to West Timor. And we have six or seven churches down there. This is a lot more remote. This is uh, very dry. They haven't had rain for six months. Um, so there's no crop planting at this time. They're eating rice with a bit of salt as a meal because there's no crops, and they're poor. Pastor Adrianos, who you'll see uh, up there with the black vehicle, he was, um, we'd been there three days, and all of a sudden, Pastor Yoss just said something to me, and it was about um, Adrianos not having a, f a phone, a cell phone. And I was like, oh, well, how, how do you call him? He says, well, we don't. He just turns up. I was like, well, how does he know what's happening? He doesn't. He just turns up gets on his motorbike, rides for an hour, just to wherever we are, maybe two hours, just to be part of it. And I said, well, could we, could we help? Could we, could we, could we fix that? Because, you know, like over there, it's so remote, everyone relies on cell phone. And uh, they don't have a phone system. 
And they said, oh, yeah, well, if you could afford that, that would be great. So it was 200000 to buy a phone, which is 20 bucks. But he'd been without a phone since Andrew Vossen was there because it fell in the water and got lost. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. How much do you spend on coffee a week? It changes his life. It's just amazing what we can do while we're there. Whether it's buying a meal. We took, we took all the pastors out for dinner. You might have seen photos on Facebook. It was 40 bucks for all of us to go for dinner. And it was good, man. And that included Coke for us, which is kind of medicine when you're in a third world country. Keeps your stomach um, kind of okay. Um, it included you know, cups of tea all around. And they had a curry fish what they call sop, which is like a liquid soup that they soak into the rice, buckets of rice. Man, they eat rice. Oh, my goodness. And quantities. Um, put 40 bucks for all of us to have a meal. And, you know, I'm glad to pay for that. I hope you're okay with me paying for that. But, but I want to bless them because I know when I leave, guess what they're having? Rice with a bit of salt. So we went to Timor, and I'm glad we did, because I'd never been there before. But recently, we sent money to Timor, because um, the church in the bottom right-hand corner, and on the left there, um, the land is, is land we purchased before, before my time. Andrew Vossen organised this. We bought two hectares of land uh, in Timor to plant a church building for people to come and gather and worship. And you can see on the left-hand side there, I don't know if you can see that kind of wooden structure in the background of that photo. That was the first church, made out of sticks with flax on the roof. No sides, and they worshipped there for many years. On the right-hand side is the newish building, um, and here's a photo of us sitting inside having some prayer and worship. This is where they gather for church in Timor, one of the churches. It's at a place called Raknamu which is um, uh, was hour and, about an hour, hour and a quarter drive from Kupang, which is the main town where we were based. Um, this is church, dirt floor, plastic seats, no lights, no electricity, no live stream, um, just a pulpit, and they worship God there. Eh? Immigration opportunity. Uh, there is a very small stream at the bottom of the hill, which we crossed, but it's trickle at the moment because there's been no rain for six months. So um, we have been asking with them. We, we actually bought sprinklers. We gave them money for a, a sprinkler system, but they can't use it when there's no water. And I haven't... It, communication is really challenging. So I was trying to think, okay, what about pump up the hill onto the land? And um, that, didn't, that conversation didn't go well. Um, so we have... I, I kind of... When I'm there, I, one of my responsibilities on your behalf is to hold them accountable for what we're investing in. Okay, so when I say we gave them stuff for crops and we gave them, uh, we bought some sprinklers, I don't just do that and not, 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 not follow it up. So I, I'm there and I'm wanting to see with my eyes what we're partnering with. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it's one of them, and, and, and you can't do that from here. One of the revelations we've had about this land is that it was a stupid purchase. It was just a bad, bad, bad decision. It's two kilometres from the road walking. And when it rains, three months of the year, they can't get there because it's too muddy and they can't walk. 
And when it's hot and dry, they can't walk because it's, it's the middle of the day and it's too hot for them. So I, I, I still don't know the rationale behind buying this land. And now they're saying to me they don't want to build there anymore. They don't want to invest in it. They want land closer where people can come. And I've got to be really careful how I express my frustration because we've been investing in this and we've just recently given them some money so that we can buy the what's called the legal certificate of the land. Because over there, you can own the land, but if you can't show the certificate, then it's, it's really not, not value to you. So we've, we've, we've completed that transaction. We're waiting for the government, which is a hurry-up-and-wait kind of scenario, so that we can have the certificate, which will then mean that we can possibly sell that land and use that money to build another building in a different location. But I can... Um, I can say from experience now that I won't be doing that without getting on the ground and, and being sure about what we're doing. And that is the big advantage in going. It was, uh, it was uh, out of our way to go to Timor. It cost um, more money. It took us all day to get there on three planes. And we were a long way, long detour to get home. But I'm glad, I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we did it because now we've got a basis for making decisions on. Does that make sense? Yeah, so um, these guys have got about 30 people in this church and they do a lot of outreach, but it's not growing and I want to know why. One of the reasons is it's, 20, it's, it's two kilometres from the main road. So they can ride their motorcycles halfway and then they've got to walk the rest. So one of the advantages is going to Timor is to see what's happening. Uh, these are uh, two pastors, or one pastor on the right, that's Pastor Ruben, and that on the left is Mersin and Asaf, which is their baby. And, but you bought those two motorcycles. Last time I was there, I said, where can we invest? What's the priority? And they did say Timor. And so based on your generosity, we were able to send a bit of, quite a bit of money uh, into Timor. And it was for the legal certificate of the land. It was for crops. It was for um, irrigation tools, which needs water, but also to buy a motorbike. We said, yep, we'll buy a motorbike because this is how they travel to evangelise, and it's rugged, and it's cross-country, and uh, while the main roads are concrete, the side roads where they need to get to the villages are not. And so they said, could we please have a motorcycle to make it easy for Pastor Reuben to go to the villages? And we said, yes. Well, you said yes, and, and we sent the money. But what they did is they used that money to buy two motorcycles. Somehow, with their clever thinking... They just came back to me by Facebook, and, and Ali, um, the leader, one of the leaders, said, hey, we bought two motorbikes. So Pastor Ruben is on the right-hand side with his son, and he says, thank you very much. And on the left-hand side, that's Pastor Pulu's motorbike, and that's his wife and son. So they say, thank you. Thank you very much. Because of your generosity, those motorcycles are taking pastors into villages to evangelize and, and minister to people. And they couldn't do it without it, because over there, it's the only way they can travel. Um, that little boy on the left-hand side, Asaf, his other name is Lazarus because he was literally raised from the dead when he was born. So they're very remote there. Hospital care is not very easy to access. And he was born with some kind of condition. And I, we saw the photos on Facebook. He had tubes and everything. In fact, the photo that I first saw, I thought he was dead, literally because he was pale and he had tubes on his. He looked like he was dressed for a, a funeral. Uh, but Pastor Yoss, they rang Pastor Yoss, and over the phone, Pastor Yoss prayed, and they saw him resuscitate back into health, and he's now this bouncing, vibrant baby with a beautiful smile and beautiful, beautiful eyes. 
So it's really good to be there and to see them. So we, we asked to spend time ministering with the pastors, and uh, some of you would have seen the video that we put on Facebook. Please um, connect into our Facebook group, North End Church, and that's where we posted most of the stuff from Indonesia, because it's just a little bit more discreet. Um, but the worship, how many of you watched the video with the worship going on in the church? Yeah, it, it's a, what, there's a dozen of us in that room, but you would have thought there was 120 singing. Just amazing. One guitar. Harmonies, parts, beautiful chorus. I don't know the words, but I'm just like, this is awesome. Um, so we met for the day, and the pastors, um, the uh, pastor Daniel, who's in the centre at the back, uh, in the blue shirt, him and his wife travelled for two hours to be with us on their motorcycle, and then they travelled two hours home again at the end of the day. They were then told they had to come and say goodbye to us at the airport the next day, so they got on their bikes and they rode three hours to the airport to say goodbye to us, to bless us, and to express their love and gratitude to us. And then they read three hours home again. So these guys are very appreciative of what we do to support them. So we spent the day with them, just encouraging them. It was like uh, 35 degrees. The wind was hot as it blew through the house. Um, And it was really uncomfortable because we had to sit on the floor all day, and I'm not used to that. Um, They are. Because this is how they live. This is a lounge room. This apartment here is two rooms and a toilet, and it's 50 bucks a month rent. Cheap, eh? And that's where they live. But they came because they wanted to be ministered to. As pastors, you know, like anyone that's ministering knows that they've got to refill the tank. So they came, and, and all I do when I have them in a room is I just love them. Jamie and I had um, worked out what we were going to share, and he spoke uh, for a bit, and then I spoke for a bit, and we just ministered to them as pastors, as shepherds. You are shepherds under the great shepherd. You are like Jesus, called to bring people to the living water that they would receive from the Holy Spirit, and we just blessed them that way. Um, We sang some songs, we prayed for them, we prophesied over them, we just blessed them, we hugged them, we loved them, we spent time with them. It's vital, it's vital, because, you know, I'm back home now, and they see the photos of the way that I live, and they're still there. Now I've got my challenges, but so have they. And I want to make sure they know that they're part of our family, that they're supported and that they're loved. Uh, before we went, um, we had prayer time as a, a staff team on a Tuesday with our interns and staff all come together. And one of the uh, instructions, instructions that God gave us through the prayer was that Jamie and I were to take communion every day. And that this would be a way that we could um, anchor ourselves in Jesus, cover ourselves with what the Bible says, the blood, you cover yourself with the blood of Jesus, and it's your protection. And that would be helpful in keeping us safe. And so Jamie and I made a commitment to do that. While we were in KL, we bought some crackers, a packet of crackers, and uh, the first day we bought a little box thing of Ribena. And we squeezed it into two cups, and we had communion together every day. We made an opportunity to get together in our room and um, break a cracker. And um, it's not easy to get communion juice over there. Uh, but what was easy to get was raspberry Fanta. It's like sugar and water that's coloured. Uh, but but um, it, was, it was sickly sweet. But anyway, the point was that we had a representation of the blood of Jesus Christ. And regardless of what the liquid was we were more focused on who it represented. 
And so every day we would just get together, five or ten minutes, we would just bless the cracker, bless the juice, honour Jesus, and, and, and it really did help. So when we were with the pastors, we said to them, we want to do communion together as family. We want to remember and honour Jesus. And so we, they prepared the, the, the communion, and we took communion together. It was a very special time. We prayed, we prophesied, and we blessed them. So here's the group of pastors, some of their kids, and just opportunity to love them. And they say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support. Thank you for including them in our church family because um, they are, it is remote in Timor. It is a long way to get there. They're a long way from um, the mainland as far as mainstream. Uh, and we didn't travel to all the locations. We didn't have time. Um, but there is a need for that. And uh, we're partnering with other ministries to support them. I want to finish with the scripture. It was, just came out of my readings, personal devotion time when I was there, Colossians, uh, which I read from earlier. But Colossians 1 verse 6 says this, the same good news that came to you, you, the, the message of Jesus that you heard, the one that changed your life, that same message is going out over the world through those that travel, who can travel, who are blessed to travel or who need to travel, the good news that changed your life is going out over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere. Isn't that good news? My testimony today is the good news that saved you, the Jesus that we celebrate here is also being celebrated in Indonesia because of your partnership, and it's changing lives. We witnessed with our own eyes and experienced the emotion of seeing the love of God change someone before us. It's real and it's happening. Lives are being changed. It's changing lives just as it changed your lives. As the day you first heard about it, understood God's wonderful grace is being shared in Indonesia. This is one of our missions programs. It's not the only one we have, but it's the one we're reporting on today. I want to talk about, just briefly, I just want to tell you what's happening. Um, because one of my responsibilities as the leader is to make sure that we've got a pathway. And it's not just about having a trip and coming home and going, oh, well, we, one, we survived, and two, we're okay. Thank God they're okay. Let's send them some money next month. It's far more than that. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to bring our gifts and our strength into their circumstance. And so, um, as many of you know, one of my gifts is strategy and administration. So, I've been um, articulating what is going to happen there. And so we have these uh, four objectives um, through to 2025, which is including 2019. That's seven, seven years that we're going to invest in. Make the local church stronger by equipping pastors and resourcing churches. We're already doing that. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to visit them. We're going to raise the next generation of church leaders. It's vital. If we don't do that, then there's no continuity. It's no different here. In the pre-service meeting this morning, before most of you turned up, we're praying for the kids that they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and hear his voice today and, and they'd know that God in them is there for their strength. It's the same with the next generation of church leaders. We're going to connect with the community in social and spiritual outreach. One of the key things that will open the door for evangelism is serving people in love. Why do you think we do the light party here? Why do you think we do Operation Christmas Love in Tiamudu? Why, why do you think we're going to do Triamudu and backpacks in, in January? Because serving the community in love opens the door for evangelism. And we've got some really, really cool ideas that I'll probably, um, uh, I think in two weeks' time, 
I'm going to unpack a little bit more about that because in the month of November, I'm going to share vision. I'm going to share vision, and you don't want to miss it. You want to hear what God's doing in our church in the next seven years. It's going to be exciting, but if you're not here to hear about it, you, how are you going to participate? I mean, you can either be a passenger and you can watch, or you can be part of it. Choice is yours. So I'm going to share some of what God is, is showing us and the opportunities that we are compelled to be a part of. Uh, fourthly, empowering people to lift their family out of poverty is a big thing. These people live in poverty. You know, the average person gets paid 40 cents an hour. They make about 60 bucks a month. No, yeah, 60 bucks a month. So we want to help. And I've got some ideas on that, and I'll share those with you. Um, not just for Indonesia, but we're going to start there. So that's what we want to do. Those are the objectives that God's given us as a church. Um, these are all in my report to, um, to the elders. These are, these are um, the outcomes of visiting local churches like I've just shared with you. Outreach crusades to show God's love and power. Um, these are the things we are wanting to do as activities. Apostolic Bible School strengthened and expanded. There's a Bible school in Indonesia. I'll talk about that uh, um, in the next month. Um, I want to make that stronger. I want to make that a platform whereby which we can partner with them with what we're doing. God had said, has said to me this year, as a leader of this church, he said to me, you have been given strength not to keep it, but to share it. That, that our mandate as a church, this church, has one of our mandates is to strengthen, to go out and to strengthen the local church. That's why we have a, a worship team in, in Hamilton today, because they don't have a worship team. And I know the pastor, and I said to him, well, we've got three. Why don't every now and then I just send one to you? And, and so Nikita and Haley and Kaylee are up there today blessing them and ministering to them. Why? Because we have the strength that we need to offer it. You know, Ash has prepared curriculum for Kids Church for a, a network of churches in Fiji. Why? Because we can. So with the Bible school in Indonesia, we want to strengthen it and expand it. Why? Because we've got the strength to give them our ministry school, partnering with their ministry school, to raise up and equip and release ministers of the Holy Spirit that can bring evangelism of uh, Indonesia, the message of Jesus Christ. Because it's about strengthening them, not strengthening us. We want to see um, youth training conferences. They're, they're raising up young kids. These kids are passionate for Jesus. And when, we, we, uh, this, um, when um, Kathy and Mel were with me up there in June, we ran a youth conference. 60 people turned up. For three days, just to be ministered, to be taught, to be blessed, to be loved, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They hop on their scooters and they ride 12 hours home again. There's a real demand for this, so we're going to continue to invest in that. Uh, support um, church planning initiatives. There are churches that need to go out. There's a young guy called Andy. Uh, he's just been released from the, the main hub into a place called Porsea. Uh, and he's going out into an environment there. The, the building is gone. The, the one we've been renting has been sold. So he's going into an environment. Um, Pastor Happy, I call him Pastor Happy, it's not his, I can't say his real name. Pastor Happy just had a stroke. And so he's, he's agreed to step, step down as the pastor. We're sending a young guy up there with no resource, no money, no house, no income, and a church of six people. We've got to support that. We've got to find a way to support that. Because Porsea is a vibrant city that trades, uh, has a trade centre for all the villagers. You go into the market day there, some of you, Francis, you came to the market day there when we were there last year. It's crazy. <laughs> but but people need to hear Jesus' message. 
So we've got to, we've got to invest in that. Build churches and communities. We need, yeah, we can have church in a house, uh, and, and, and we do. We, and, and we can do that here, and it works. We can do it in Indonesia, and it works. But the Indonesians think that if you don't have a building, your church is not good, and it's going to probably close, that there's no strength, there's no substance. But the other thing is um, there's no place as a base. So one of the things that I am becoming more convinced of is that um, having a church center I was just researching this on the way home. If you read the book of Acts, you watch Paul. I'll speak about this next year in a lot more detail, but just the highlight for you is Paul established centers in key cities and then went to those key cities and they went out from there. Do you remember that? So the key, like Antioch and to Ephesus and to Corinth, and they went out from there. Well, we need to establish those key centers so that we've got training centers, we've got bases to visit, we've got people to come in, and we can bless them and then send them out again. You can't do that in a tin hut. For $10,000, we can build a simple building in Indonesia. Solid, concrete, two rooms, toilet, running water, electricity on a piece of dirt. Why the heck aren't we doing that? And uh, how many have I got there? Is this the last one? Ministry School Exchange Program. Uh, We've got an opportunity to bring one of their Bible school students to us next year. And uh, we are seriously looking at how we can fund that to bring her in here to equip her with the ministry school that Ash is developing as a partner in our development program, but also so that she can strengthen her English. And that means we'll billet her, we'll look after her, we'll support her, we'll bless her, we'll pay for everything, and we'll send her back in October when we go to the pastor's conference. So hopefully she'll be here for nine months, and she's going to be a key resource in what we're doing because when I'm there, I need English. I'm, I, just, I don't know Indonesian. And when others come, and so, um, so developing the tuition centre, developing the outreach and developing the ministry school, if I can have more people like her on the ground there, then our work is much more uh, enabled and much more powerful. So we're hoping to finalise bringing Ruth in here, but what I'd also like to do is to send some students there. If we can have a base there, why don't we send our ministry students up there for three months? Change their world, change their future. Is that a good idea? Yeah. I won't ask you to put your hand up, but I'm sure some of you want to go. And finally, the Tuition Centre for Community Connection. This is an idea I'll speak about maybe in two weeks. How can we change a community to raise them out of poverty? This is the idea God's given me. This is the thing we are already working on and researching so that we can establish it early in 2019. And I want to share it with you because it's very exciting. So, seven years. I wonder what the seven, next seven years look like as far as opportunities for you. Like, I didn't put all the details in there, but I've already got um, trips planned for next year and they're almost full. People that I've been talking with that have been talking with me about coming for reasons that God's been speaking to them about, but don't let that stop you from talking to me. If I don't know you want to go, then I can't plan to include you. Um, often we're thinking two years out. We've already booked dates for 2020 to go to Hope Village because they are already fully subscribed in 2019. We couldn't get in their calendar. But Hope Village is where the, the kids are. You've seen the photos on the wall out there. And it's a safe place to take younger people to minister with children because you're in an insulated environment. You're not living in a hut or ministering in the tropic um, jungle. 
So there's opportunities in 2020, and we want to take a team of young people up then. Uh, we're going to go in April next year to do a youth conference. So it's already organised. Um, and then there's the pastors' conference each October. But I wonder where, where you sit in that. I wonder what God would challenge you on. I wonder, you know, like I, the people that came with me last year and this year, they never knew they were going. But God stirred, it's not me, God stirred their hearts. I remember when Stu first came to me um, in 2016. He says, you know, how do you know that you hear God's voice? And I said, well, I just, I, I get that feeling and I follow it up and I think and I wait and then I know it's right. I said, why do you ask? He says, oh, I think God's telling me I need to come to India with you, but I don't know that it's God. I said, well, you're speaking to me, aren't you? And since then, he's been to Indonesia three times and India twice. Why? Because he heard God's voice, he was obedient, and now he can't go back. He can't go back. He doesn't want to go back as far as go backwards. He doesn't want to regress because God's called him into this new place of faith and vulnerability, and he's out on the edge serving. He's extending himself financially because he funds all his own trips. He's giving and sowing into missions work because God's changed his heart. So when you sow into something, God wrecks your heart. So what does the next seven years look like? Plenty of opportunity. Plenty of growth. Like we, I come back absolutely filled with passion, with a commitment that we as a church have to do something more. There's so much opportunity. And you know, quite frankly, our our budget this year of $40,000 just it, it pales in comparison to what we could be doing because we have rich resources in this church and in this town and money goes a long way over there. Like I said, the $10,000, I can build a building on a piece of dirt that can establish a church in it. We're looking at buying a piece of land for the Bible College, 15000 Seriously. It's, it's just phenomenal. So where do you fit in? How do you fit in? This is how you fit in. Definitely, please, pray for us. Pray for the, pray for the ministries. Find out what's happening. Please sow into it. Um, I'm not going to do um, a missions budget at the end of November like I usually do. Um, we usually have been doing a whole focus on our, our giving in November for missions, but I, I feel like God's asking us to do vision in November. So I'm going to push our mission summit to June next year, but that means I'm going to need everyone to keep, <laughs> to keep their regular giving to missions going so we can maintain what we're doing. Because if you all stop giving, then we don't have a missions program. So we have general giving here, which is tithing and offering and, and maintaining the work of the church, and we also have missions giving, which is sowing into the missions work and the, and the different aspects of what we're doing. So we'll, I'll, I'll get together a report and I'll make that available to the church so that you actually know where, where stuff's going, all right? But please pray. Please sow into the missions work. And then please consider how God might be calling you, if he's calling you. But I need, I need you to put your hand up. I need you to, to not, not now, but come and see me and just start a conversation. Let's sit down, have a cup of tea or coffee and just chat about what God's speaking to you about and how that could be outworked. Because one of the, one of the gifts I have, one of the responsibilities I carry is enabling you in what God's calling you into. All right? So what God's saying to you, you might not be able to see the solutions, but I might be able to. So let's talk about it. Let's work together. 
And together we can take the message of Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the world, into those places where they don't know it. And we can see them experience his love and his power in a life-transforming way. Because the same Jesus that rescued you from darkness and hopelessness wants to rescue them also. Amen? Okay, why don't you stand? I'll bless you and we can finish this morning. Lord, thank you for making salvation available. Your master plan that you created at the beginning of all time was Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice that you came to earth as a man, put aside in privilege and divinity in order to experience life as we know it, but show us life as you know it. That through your life and your sacrifice, through your death and resurrection, we thank you that we can come into the fullness of life that you designed. Through our salvation, we can find and experience life of fullness with God our Father in heaven. I thank you for the work in Indonesia, and we pray for those pastors, all of them. We pray that they would know and experience the love and power of God as they, I suppose they're getting up now to, to do church, as they, as they gather as family all across Indonesia this morning to worship the same Jesus. We pray they'd be blessed today, that they'd know the presence of God Almighty, that they'd know that they have a family in New Zealand who are praying for them and encouraging them. Lord, as we go, I declare a blessing over our church family that we would know how rich we are in your love, how rich we are in your provision, but Lord, that we would know that we're called. We're called and commissioned to invest in the great commission to go in the world and disciple nations, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to see demons flee at the name of Jesus Christ. Give us the momentum and the commitment to continue to invest financially and spiritually in that, that we would pray that the Lord of the harvest would bring a rich transformation to the nations that we're partnering with. So Lord, I bless the church. I bless them with the love of God our Father, the grace of Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit who was in each one of us. I bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, amen.